Hi, I'm Alex Kersher. And I'm Kit Hammer. And, and we're, we're live, live from, from Building 7. 7. We're bringing you Microsoft News, a set of Xbox Series X announcements, and a suite of sunsetting services you'll never forget. We are both Microsoft employees by day, but by night we're here to bring you this unofficial and unendorsed broadcast. Here is the news for Friday, February 21st to Thursday, February 27th, 2020. Microsoft stock closed Thursday, February 27th at $158.18 a share, down 14.23% from last Thursday and giving Microsoft a total market cap of $1.2 trillion. To give a bit of context to why Microsoft stock has dropped so sub substantially, Microsoft has issued an update on their Q3 FY20 guidance. They have issued a warning that they expect to miss their earnings target for the more personal computing segment, which was previously projected at between $10.75 and $11.15 billion. Microsoft expects no other targets to be impacted. In this statement, they make it abundantly clear that Microsoft values the health and safety of their employees and it will be working closely to ensure that they weather the COVID-19 health emergency successfully. On a related note, Microsoft will not be attending Game Developers Conference, or GDC, in San Francisco this year in order to mitigate the risks associated with the coronavirus. Microsoft is not alone in their caution. Sony, Facebook, Kojima Productions, and Unity Technologies have also decided to bow out of GDC 2020, which is scheduled from March 16th to March 20th. The announcement also follows the cancellation of Mobile World Congress 2020, originally supposed to start on February 27th, and Facebook's F8 Developer conference, which was originally scheduled for May 5th. In light of this change of plans, Microsoft will instead be hosting a digital event from March 16th to March 18th, where the sessions, panels, and experiences planned for GDC will be streamed live and available to watch on demand. So to check it out, head on to microsoft.com slash gamestack on those days. Moving into the Azure announcements for this week, this week the Azure Sphere team has announced that Azure Sphere is now generally available. Azure Sphere is Microsoft's security-centric IoT platform that automates many of the common security hurdles you need to clear when deploying a thing that is connected to the internet. Sphere is specifically a series of certified hardware configurations, an operating system, and a cloud service. The Sphere hardware can be embedded in other devices and contains a hardware root of trust system to validate that the Sphere OS running on it is genuine and has not been tampered with. The OS sandboxes all of the running processes to limit the possibility of small breaches enabling pivots into the larger system running on the Sphere. And finally, the cloud service gives each Sphere device an endpoint on the internet to send encrypted communication back and forth to actually control and exchange information with the wider internet. I am personally very excited to see where Azure Sphere goes, and I'm hoping that the whole industry can get behind some sort of security standard for IoT devices, uh, like what a standardized service uh, like Sphere could enable. Uh, in general, I would just like to know that something like this uh, is available, because personally, when I'm looking to buy an 
IoT device. I'm pretty hesitant to trust something without knowing what's inside of it. Uh, and if, if I knew that it had something like Azure Sphere in it, that would really help me a lot. And in industrial applications, this is probably even more important because there are a ton of companies that would love to not have to individually evaluate every single appliance that they're going to add and instead just know that it has something like Azure Sphere behind it. Not to spoil the show for you, but this will be very excited for you if that's something you're interested in, standardization of IoT. For instance, Azure Sphere has released version 20.01 of the Azure Sphere OS, and included in the release is a new feature called Power Down. Power Down enables applications to set an Azure Sphere device to run on a very low power mode that can be awakened from either a specific time or when a specific input signal triggers a wake-up GPIO pin. When running in power down, the device will shut down everything except for the real-time clock, making it the lowest possible power state for an Azure Sphere to Azure Sphere device, I guess, to be in while still connected to power. So for instance, if you have a device that needs to report its status twice per day, it can go into power down mode except for the two times a day it needs to send an update. Incidentally, the announcement blog for this feature has calculated that without power down, a device collecting data and uploading it to the cloud two times per day would last 18 hours on four AA batteries. However, with power down, Enabled, the same device executing the same tasks would last 1,000 days on four AA batteries. So 18 hours versus 1,000 days. For IoT devices, this is a huge consideration as enterprises may have hundreds of devices online as part of their operation. And changing out the batteries is cumbersome and can disrupt operations and is costly both financially and in energy consumption. So this sounds like an awesome, simple solution to a very common and limiting obstacle. The Azure networking team is announcing a new feature in ExpressRoute to enable using ExpressRoute for WAN connections, and it is called ExpressRoute Global Reach. As a quick refresher, ExpressRoute is the service that enables you to directly peer your business's network with Azure, and it previously allowed only connections to and from Azure. However, Microsoft has tons of their own peering arrangements that they use to operate their global network between Azure regions and between their own Microsoft services. So with ExpressRoute Global Reach, you can leverage that global network to connect your ExpressRoute endpoints straight together without needing to go into your Azure virtual network and back into your local network. So you can get all of your offices joined together on one big private network without needing to negotiate across countries and continents uh, to get your own peering arrangements set up together. This is honestly just a really nice luxury to have as, as an ExpressRoute customer. Azure Security Center is releasing a preview of their fileless attack detection for Linux. Fileless attacks can be tricky to catch because they slip into systems using software vulnerabilities and then they hide malicious payloads in the memory of benign system processes so there's no out-of-place files or processes for traditional antivirus software and malware detection systems to find when they're scanning. So Azure Security Center Fileless Attack Detection came out in 2018 for Windows. But as of now, Linux users can experience the extra layer of protection. And as the preview unfurls, the Linux solution will be tuning itself in order to detect threats, including crypto mining software, shellcode, elevation of process privilege from non-root to root, and remote control of another process using ptrace, just to name a few. And if you want to check it out, a link to sign up can be found in the Azure Fileless Attack Detection for Linux announcement blog, which 
can be found in our show notes. In other Azure Security Center news, Azure Security Center for IoT has extended support for real-time operating system. RTOS is a special operating system for MCU devices aimed at real-time systems like many different IoT control systems. Security Center brings uh, with it a security module that will be shipping with RTOS to cover common threats to real-time operating system devices like malicious network activity. You can also set up device behavior baselining based on custom alerts and receive security recommendations with the uh, Azure Security Center for IoT package. The Azure Cognitive Services Computer Vision Read API v3.0 is now available in preview. The newest Read API uses updated models for optical character recognition, which is commonly called OCR, and it can interpret handwritten and printed documents into digital text. Other features of this update are Spanish language support, an improved English language model, confidence scoring per word, changes to the input of the operations batch read file, and changes to the output of the get read operation result. It is time for some logging news. Azure Monitor Log Analytics has new upgraded visualizations. Now, when you are rendering graphs over your logging data, you will get a neat little animation as the graph draws, like you are James Bond himself looking at your logging information. James Bond, notable graph drawer. Notable graph drawer. The graphs can now be filtered to only show specific data by selecting an item in the legend, just like how Power BI works. And finally, there are a bunch of new visualizations, including stacked column, Unstacked column, 100% stacked column, stacked area, unstacked area, 100% stacked area on top of the good old fashioned line scatter pie and donut charts. Azure AD and Microsoft 365 have announced that their sign-in experience will receive a new default background. What? The new background image takes up 1% of the size of the old, which is kind of the current background image. The switch will result in a reduced bandwidth requirement and better perceived page load time. Since this is a podcast, I will try to paint you a picture with words. The old photo on the background of the sign-in looks like it's like a mountaintop meadow with a view of other mountains. And the new photo looks, and like, I'm not even kidding, coincidence, seriously, exactly like a pastel version of a a rainbow gradient phone case I almost bought today. Uh, everybody tweet us uh, with your favorite Active Directory login screen. I personally love the guy with the messenger bag. May he forever live on in my personal sign-on sessions. But uh, tweet us live from Building 7 with your favorite background. Maybe it's these this gradient. Anyway, Azure Load Balancer now supports TCP resets on idle timeouts. When you get a TCP reset uh, on, on your load balance connection, now there will be a reset request sent both to the client and server on the idle timeout for load balancing rules, inbound NAT rules, and outbound rules. This allows applications to behave more predictably as well as detect as well as to detect the termination of a connection, remove expired connections, and initiate new connections. Well, we shuffle on in now to the Azure Retirement community these services have done their part oh my gosh alex have some class we're gonna we're gonna let these services they have life left to live they're they're (laughs) a little bit they've done their part and it's nothing but south florida sunsets margaritas and watercolor painting classes from here on out Alex, it's too depressing. Please, God, stop right. the funeral we'll, bag. But it's okay. They still are going to go. Here, we'll, we'll have some lively birds. 
Okay, I can, whatever, I can talk over this. So the Azure Site Recovery Data Encryption feature will be retired on April 30th, 2022, making way for the newer and more advanced encryption at rest with Azure Site Recovery. Meanwhile, several Azure Site Recovery protection scenarios will no longer be supported as of March 1st, 2023. The scenarios being deprecated are a disaster recovery between customer managed sites that use System Center, Virtual Machine Manager, or SCVMM, and scenarios where it's SCVMMs to Azure. So, au revoir. Uh, next up, A8 through A11. Azure virtual machine sizes will be retired on March 1st, 2021. As of now, no new A8 through A11 size VMs can be created. And as of March 1st, 2021, all remaining A8 through A11 VMs will be stopped and removed from the host. So make sure to resize your A8, 11 through A11 virtual machines. And, you know, maybe thank them on the way out for helping build Azure into the thriving cloud compute service we all enjoy today. Next up, Azure AD Domain Services is retiring their classic VNet support on March 1st, 2023. Once that happens, classic virtual network deployments will be removed and all applications using Azure AD DS will cease to function. If you do not wish your service to fall upon that fate, switch over your classic virtual network to Azure Resource Manager virtual network before then. <clears throat> Microsoft is retiring Azure Media Analytics preview processors on June 1st, 2020. According to the Sendoff blog, the machine learning technologies that they are built on are older and have limited customer usage in production. The preview processors being deprecated are motion detection, video summarization, video OCR, face detection, and content moderation. After June 1st of this year, expect that they will experience errors or possibly failed job submissions. So going forward, the Video Indexer V2 REST API or Video Analyzer preset in the Azure Media Services V3 API will be your go-to for OCR, face detection, and content moderation on video. So what about motion detection and video summarization? Well, some services are simply irreplaceable. And to be clear, I mean that no replacement services currently exist for those processors at this time. And the team will be assessing their use cases and customer scenarios for future investments. And finally, Cognitive Services Bing Speech API is being retired on November 1st, 2021, after which point applications will no longer be able to access Bing Speech applications. Customers are encouraged to migrate to the speech services and speech SDK in the meantime. And I can see it now. All of the Bing services holding a retirement dinner for their departing colleague. Champagne is being poured and trying to elicit a farewell toast. They all begin to chant speech, 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 <laughs> speech API. <laughs> This week, we got two Azure Active Directory updates. First out of the gate is a preview of Active Directory authentication support in Azure files. This lets you use the same credentials that you use to log into Windows, Azure, and now your file shares. It is especially useful for Azure virtual desktops since one user profile can now associate their file share directly with their login account. And second AD update is a public preview of Azure AD support for FIDO2 login in high hybrid environments. This will allow passwordless login in Windows 10 using Azure AD and hybrid AD. Previously, you could use FIDO2 credentials online and within Windows 10 machines that you were already logged into, but not for the actual login for the computer itself. Neat. Where in the world is all these Azure services? 
Microsoft is opening new data center regions in Spain. The new data center project is the result of Microsoft furthering its partnership with Telefonica, one of the largest telecommunications companies in the world, which is based in Spain. Among the terms of the partnership, Telefonica intends to accelerate their internal use of Microsoft's cloud offerings, and Microsoft plans on leveraging Telefonica's network infrastructure to support their new data regions in Spain, particularly for delivering services to Microsoft customers that need low latency, guaranteed bandwidth, or rigorous security protocols all these azure services that is all of the azure news for this week but we've got a whole box full of other microsoft news including a ton of new info about the specs and features in the upcoming xbox series x starting off we learned that the processor will be a custom part uh, based on AMD's latest Zen 2 and RDNA 2 architectures and weigh in at about twice the power of the current Xbox One X. The GPU will be a 12 teraflop unit from AMD capable of hardware accelerated ray tracing, which roughly lines up to a mid-tier graphics card that you could get for a PC today. The console will also use NVMe SSD storage for overall faster load times as well as supporting a feature called Quick Resume that will let you exit and resume multiple games in progress even between restarts of the console. Uh, I know not a lot of people multitask between games, but this feature does save you from uh, games without frequent saves so that you can leave a game mid-session, turn off your Xbox, turn it back on, and come back into your gaming session without having to wait for the game itself to like hit a save point. You can just leave in the middle of a level. Uh, there will also be 120 FPS support for all of you latency loons out out there and finally they are revealing something called smart delivery which allow will, will which will allow you to buy a game once then download the game and play whatever version has been optimized for your specific console so if you buy a game today you will be able to start playing the nicer looking version on the xbox series x without having to buy that same game again microsoft is making a commitment to support smart delivery on all of the first party games and the technology is made available for other game developers to implement if they so choose. And while we wait for the Series X to emerge, the Xbox One still has some new tricks up its sleeve. The Xbox February 2020 update is finally rolling out, bringing some updated designs and new functionality. The new dashboard has removed twists from the top of the view and has dedicated rows for Xbox Game Pass, Mixer, Xbox Community, and the Microsoft Store, and users will be able to add or remove rows as desired and just customize to their heart's delight. The Games and Apps UI has also been updated with content grouping for easier navigation, labels for trials and demos, and a simplified settings interface. And the Mixer viewing experience on Xbox One has added options for viewing chat, the ability to manually select visual video resolution, and a new view to check out streamer and phone content. And on a final UI note, notifications can be moved to a preferred location on the screen, which is really convenient. Uh, so over on the more functional side, folks messaging with the Xbox Live uh, chat uh, on their console will now be able to view images and GIFs, and the content and message requests will also be viewable based off of your message safety settings. The Xbox One storage feature will also now offer a move function so users with external storage can easily shuffle their content and games around to make room on the console 
Lastly, users can download individual titles from bundles. Oh, those are super awesome updates. In other gaming news, Minecraft Festival tickets will be available March 6th. This is Microsoft's annual Minecraft conference, although it's taken a few different forms and names over the years. Minecraft Festival will be held uh, ultimately September 25th to 27th in Orlando, Florida, and is very conveniently exactly one day after the close of Ignite in New Orleans. So I suspect there will be a lot of flights across the Gulf this fall. From Therat, Microsoft Edge for iOS has released an update that includes the tracking protection functionality found in the desktop version of Edge and an option to sync user data like passwords and favorites with the new version of Edge. In addition, the update includes a round of bug fixes and minor improvements. The Edge team has also released a new build of the uh, into the Edge dev testing channel with a bunch of new features, the most notable of which is a game for their offline error page. Much like how Chrome has the running dinosaur, Edge now has as a ski-free like surfing game to play. The game has you surfing around a 2D world, avoiding obstacles and monsters, and generally just killing time waiting for your Wi-Fi to turn back on. The game is also available at edge colon slash slash surf if you're on the dev build, but honestly going to that URL is no fun. Just disconnect your Wi-Fi. Live a little. I was just thinking about how I could convince my team to just disconnect their Wi-Fi for a little bit so I could check it out. Well, because you got to get the high score, right? It's okay. I can all do it on you, personal all time. All you need to do is write your high score on a whiteboard, and then you'll start a movement. <laughs> In the update, they have also added support for real functionality, like the ability to hide the home button, the ability to sync the status of your allow extensions from other stores setting across devices, and a bunch of other stuff that is all outlined in their release notes. One note for Android is rolling out four updates this week. The quartet includes dark mode support, page and notebook reordering, the ability to sync by dragging down the application on your screen, and an updated inking experience with new brighter colors for drawing your notes. LinkedIn has begun internal testing for stories. This is exactly like Snapchat stories uh, and also like uh, Instagram stories. They are full screen virtual. Uh, they are full screen vertical videos that delete automatically after 24 hours. It's not incredibly clear to me how exactly this fits into the whole LinkedIn experience, but we will be sure to give stories a spin and report back if they ever get released publicly. Two Office 365 advanced threat protection features have been launched. Campaign views and compromised user detection and response are now generally available. Campaign views allows organizations to simulate cross-organization complex spear phishing campaigns, evaluate how their system and users respond to the threat, and then view auto-generated reports that indicate what users and configurations uh, would leave the organization vulnerable if it was a real version of the attack. With the rollout to GA, Campaign Views is bringing along some new features, such as an improved search across campaigns and more detailed campaign information. The new info also includes authentication detail and click rates for phishing messages that make it to users' inboxes, which is a really good way to understand the believability of the campaign or, honestly, the gullibility of your users. Uh, and next up, Advanced Compromise User Detection and Response is a service that detects when a user account in an organization has been compromised by a malicious actor looking to steal data, deliver spam and phishing mail to others, or threaten the organization. By looking for unusual or suspicious patterns of behavior, attackers can be identified and dealt with. So... I'm happy to see these features out into the GA light. Yeah, that's honestly really awesome to see. 
Visual Studio Online has gotten its first major update since being released at Ignite last year. The hosted online version of the Visual Studio Editor now allows you to upload a custom image uh, right from the new environment screen. Uh, I guess that would be a custom Docker container image. Uh, this will uh, this will also allow you to choose a GitHub branch or a pull request to load into your new environment. So you can really get started with exactly the configuration you want for your new environment. There are also a bunch of new project templates available, as well as the ability to upgrade your container that is debugging your code if you need more power or memory. You can specify up to an 8-core, 16-gig uh, RAM instance and choose whether to pause the instance after some time or just keep it running your debugging code indefinitely. And finally, you can now delete environments straight from Visual Studio Online without needing to go to the Azure portal. GitHub has introduced web notifications so developers can easily see and act on notifications in GitHub. There's a little bell icon and a blue dot that appears next to it when something is changed in a project that you're tracking if you have GitHub open in your browser. This is a little understated, but I'd really recommend going to the blog because if you're in GitHub a lot, these notifications are like so much more useful. I just refresh the page like a maniac. So actually, this may save me a few little clicks. Put a few months off of the old arthritis that'll set in on my index <laughs> finger one day. In other news. Mover migration is now available to all Microsoft 365 customers worldwide. Mover was acquired by Microsoft last year and allows you to easily migrate your data between cloud services like Dropbox, Google Drive, OneDrive, etc. The service can now be used as a part of any existing M365 subscription, so get a move on! The Open Manufacturing Platform, an alliance founded in 2019 by Microsoft and the BMW Group, has added new members and approved new working groups. The purpose of OMP is to help accelerate manufacturing technology through cross-industry collaboration. The OMP formed and operates through the Joint Development Foundation, which is a part of the Linux Foundation that provides the organizational framework to create technical specifications and supports open industry standards. The duly announced working groups that OMP will be focusing on tackles topics like standardization for IoT connectivity, semantic data models, industrial IoT reference architecture, and core services for ATS. In addition, three new steering committee members have been accepted, Anheuser-Busch InBev, Bosch Group, and ZF Group. You know, you were right. I am excited about that IoT standardization. And finally, this week, Microsoft is launching a new global social entrepreneurship program to offer qualified startups access to technology, education, customers, and grants. The program is available in 140 countries and will support startups that meet three major criteria. Startups that are tackling important social or environmental challenges, that have an established product or service that will benefit from access to enterprise customers, and startups that have a commitment to the ethical and responsible use of AI. After you have checked those three boxes, you will get a free grant for up to $120,000 in Azure credits and access to a dedicated program manager from Microsoft. The program benefits are nearly identical to Microsoft's current Microsoft for Startup sponsorship program, but with the specific requirement for pursuing those social, environmental, accessibility, skills, or employability cases. Given Microsoft's recent aggressive carbon targets, it is really nice to see them putting their money where their mouth is and funding these sort of companies basically immediately, uh, especially because they will ultimately need to partner with these sorts of startups to realize their dream of carbon negativity by 2030. 
That is all of the news for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Send your feedback to livefrombuilding7 at gmail.com, tweet us at livefromb7, or head on over to our website at building7.live to see show notes and links to the stories from today's show. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the music you are hearing throughout this episode. This show is researched and produced by Kit Hammer and Alex Karsher. With audio production by Alex Karsher. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will be back next week with even Even more more Microsoft Microsoft News! When's the last time you ate a waffle? I was just thinking about it. I haven't had a waffle in... I was thinking about waffles with, like, customized logos on them the other day. Wait, why? It came up. Wait, it it came up? In conversation, you know? In convert... It came... That custom... What? Like a... Like, think about a Building 7 logo on a waffle. Wait, who do you talk to that this came up? <laughs>